God is an amazing God. He loves us. He longs for us to be in his presence. So, Father, we just welcome your presence now. More of your presence. Holy Spirit, you are with us. Just open our ears now to hear, our minds to understand, our hearts to receive, and our eyes to see what you have for each one of us. Let our spirits be quickened by you, Holy Spirit, that we can be in tune with you. We can be in sync with you. We are filled with your presence, but we want to be filled to overflow. So we have you to give away. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence now. Just stay with us, stay on us. Brood over us while the Father sings over us. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, after two weeks of Andy bringing messages from uh, lessons from the life of David, I get to uh, continue the series. And I trust that you've taken time to read through 1 and 2 Samuel as Andy has been encouraging you these past two weeks when you're speaking. Today, as we continue the series on lessons from the life of David, I want to speak about the Ark of the Covenant being brought into Jerusalem. To have a better understanding of what we're going to look at today, we need to go back to the very early chapters of 1 Samuel. And I'm just going to reference them. We're not going to have time to read through all of them. There's quite a lot to read through. So we're going to go back to when Samuel was a young lad, a young man living in the temple in Shiloh, and old Eli was the priest in charge of the temple. There was war between the Philistines and the Israelites. There always seemed to be war between the Israelites and the Philistines. And the Israelites were defeated. This was in the time of the judges, before there was a king in Israel. And the Israelites retreated and regrouped. And the elders of Israel decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the battlefield, hoping that the presence of God would be with them in the next battle and bring them victory. The Philistines were a bit panic-stricken when the news of the presence of the Ark in the Israelite camp reached their ears. But they resolved to fight as never before. And once again, they defeated the Israelite army, capturing the Ark of, the Co- of God, the Ark of the Covenant, taking it from the battleground at Ebenezer to Ashdod, placing it in the temple of their god, Dagon, next to the idol of Dagon. But when they rose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downwards on the ground before the Ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. The hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod, and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how things were, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God. False gods cannot stand in the presence of the Lord our God. They have to bow down before him. 
The Philistines then moved the ark from Ashdod to Gath, and the people there were also struck by a plague of tumors. So they send it to Ekron. But the people there object, but to no avail, and it remains there. They too are struck by a plague of tumors. Seven months after the Philistines captured the ark, they decided to send it back to Israel. It took them a while to realize like it didn't belong with them. They put the ark on a, on a cart yoked to two milk cows, along with a guilt offering of five gold tumors and five gold mice, because there were also, there'd also been a plague of mice wherever the ark was. The cows are sent on their way back to Israel, and they head straight to the town of Beth Shemesh, where the people are in their fields busy reaping the wheat harvest. And it's amazing, they, they actually yoked up two milking animals that would normally pull a cart, separating them from their, their calves, and this, arc, this uh, cart goes off, and it heads in a straight line to the town of Beth Shemesh. The people of Beth Shemesh rejoice when they see the Ark of the Covenant, they chop up the cart and offer the cows as burnt offerings to the Lord. But the Lord strikes down 70 men because they looked upon the Ark of the Covenant. They sent a message to kiriath Jerem, telling them to come and take the Ark, which they did. They took it to the house of Abinadab and consecrated his son Eliza to take charge of the Ark. And it remained there for 20 years. You may ask, why did God strike down the 70 men? You need to go back to the book of Leviticus and read the instructions God gave to Moses in the wilderness about the setting up and taking down of the tabernacle and who was responsible for what whenever the Israelites moved. The Levites, the priests, were responsible for covering the ark before it was moved as no one was allowed to look into it as it represented the very presence of God in their midst. Now, even though these men were Levites, they were not allowed to look into the ark, even on the pretense of checking to see if the two tablets, the Ten Commandments, and the staff of Aaron was still in the ark and had not been removed by the Philistines. They disobeyed God's rules regarding the ark and were justly punished. We now move forward about 40 years to where David is king. He wants the tabernacle to be set up in Jerusalem and for the presence of God to be in Jerusalem. To do that, he has to bring the Ark of the Covenant from kiriath Jerem to Jerusalem. <clears throat> David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. 2 Samuel 6, 1-5. This is one very big procession, a huge celebration worshipping the Lord as they make their way from the house of Abinadab to Jerusalem. It would have been a cacophony of sound, the instruments being played, the singers singing, a joyous procession of tens of thousands of people rejoicing as they followed the, the cart with the ark on it. Did any of you ever take part in any of the March for Jesus celebrations that took place in a number of cities 
around the world back in the late 80s. It started here in London. Now, I was part of, the, part of two of them in, in Durban. And those consist of only a few thousand people walking the, through the streets of Durban, worshipping and praising the Lord. This would have been a much larger crowd of people than any of those marches. Just think of the recent uh, protests outside Parliament with the thousands and thousands of people there. It would have been something like that, marching together. But these ones were rejoicing. These people were rejoicing. They weren't protesting. They were celebrating the presence of God and the Lord. But then tragedy struck. The oxen stumbled, and Uzzah put out his hand to stop the ark from falling. And he was struck down by God and died alongside the cart. This angered David, but it also made him afraid. And he stopped the procession and took the ark to the house of Obed-Edom, where it remained for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. And it was told, and it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. 2 Samuel 6, 12-15 This time David, thinks, David did things differently. Instead of the ark being transported on a man-made cart, it was carried in accordance with the instructions given to Moses by God. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Take a census of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi, by their clans and their fathers' houses, from 30 years old up to 50 years old, all who can come on duty to do the work in the tent of meeting. This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the camp is set out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and take down the veil of the screen and cover the ark of the testimony with it. Then they shall put on it a covering of goatskin and spread on top of that a cloth all of blue and shall put it put in its poles. And when Aaron and his sons had finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry. They were to carry the Ark of the Covenant on poles. It was Numbers 4, 1 to 5 and verse 15. So the Ark was to be carried by the poles and the shoulders of the men. The men were not to touch the ark in any way. The high priest and his sons had to cover it, and then the men from the clan of Kohath of the tribe of Levi would come and carry it on their shoulders. The first time David went to collect the ark, he did what the Philistines had done. He placed the ark on a cart made by man to bring the presence of God into Jerusalem. That was contrary to the instructions God had given to Moses. The ark, the very presence of God, was not to be carried by anything made by man. It was to be carried by what God had made, or rather who God had made, and that was man. Only mankind is able to carry the presence of God. From the time of Moses to the time of David, man was to carry the ark of the covenant. It was not meant to be carried on an ark made by man. 
Only mankind has the honor and privilege to carry the presence of God. We are the only thing that God created, that he breathed his life into, his presence into. The rest of creation was spoken into being. But we were created out of the dust of the earth, in the image and likeness of God, and he breathed his breath of life into us. We carry the very presence of God in us, and as sons and daughters of the living God, we carry his presence on us. We are priests of the Holy God, so we are able to carry his presence. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I know there are times in our lives that we feel like we are not carrying the presence of God. We feel as if God is not with us. We might be going through a tough time. And we are wondering, where is God? But when we do what he says, as was said a number of times in our prayer meeting yesterday, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm, 66, Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. When we take our eyes off our circumstances, when we quiet the voices within our heads, when we look not at the things of the world, then we can be still and know God. It is a spiritual discipline to practice the presence of God. And it's a discipline that seems to have been lost or forgotten as the pace of life has quickened, where everything is instant and no one is prepared to wait. We want instant gratification and answers today. And with the technology we now have, we can normally get instant answers. I think just about every one of us carries a computer in our pockets. It's our telephone, you know, a smartphone. We can get answers on that as quickly as we can type something into it. There are times that we do get instant answers from God, but most of the time we need to wait on God before we receive the answer. Oftentimes it's in the waiting on God that the answer is revealed to us. It is being in the presence of God that our prayers are answered. What I've seen and experienced is that the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more of the presence of God we get to carry in our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. We were created to be in the presence of God. But unfortunately, Adam and Eve messed that up for us. But Jesus came and redeemed us through his life, death, and resurrection. And then he ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to us for the presence of God to be with and within us when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we are born again, we get to carry the presence of God wherever we go through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and within us. We just need to learn to be still and learn to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice 
and then follow his leading. Amen. Um, good discussion questions. There's actually only one discussion question. It's not even a discussion question. It's something for you to think on because before we do that, we're going to spend some time sitting in the presence of God. But what I'm going to do is read through this, read the second question and the third one, and then we can say goodbye to those who are online, and then we're going to spend some time sitting in the presence of God. So the first thing is to sit still, close your eyes, take a slow, deep breath in through your nose, hold it for a bit, not too long, but hold it for a bit, then slowly breathe out through your mouth. Do that a few times until you feel the distractions in your head are quiet. Then wait on God. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you for the next five minutes. Then we'll move on to the next question. And that question is, what changes do you need to make in your life in order to make more time to practice the presence of God regularly in your life? And then maybe share some of those things and pray for one another. So... For those who are online, thank you for being with us. And please do take time now to spend some time in the presence of God. Just do that. Slowly breathe in, hold it, breathe out until your mind is quieted. And then wait on God. <laughs> 